Taiwan reported more than 50,000 domestic infections for the second day in a row on Wednesday. The CCC announced 57, 57,188 local cases, mainly concentrated in New Taipei, Taoyuan and Taipei. More than 3,000 cases were reported from Taichung and Kaohsiung. Amid a surging demand for at-home testing, the Food and Drug Administration said it will now allow the import of rapid tests for personal use. We're launching temporary measures pertaining to COVID test kits for personal use. We're cutting out some of the complexity. No fees are required. Our regulation on quantity is that each person will be limited to no more than 100 units. The import period will end on June 30th. You don't need to apply for an import permit from Taiwan's Food and Drug Administration. Your import will be cleared automatically at customs. The official says the imported test kits may not be resold and must strictly be for personal use. She says the policy will apply to any brand of test kit, not just those granted emergency use authorization by the government. However, non-approved brands cannot be used as proof of a COVID diagnosis. Do you really know how to use a rapid test? One doctor claims that the instructions on your test kit won't always yield accurate results. According to Dr. Liu Pengchi, test swaps should be inserted much deeper than indicated in most instructions, which call for a depth of 2.5 centimeters. Dr. Liu said that's not deep enough to reach the mucous membrane and collect a sample. He also has tips on how to insert the swab to avoid injury. How far into your nostril should you insert the swab of a rapid test kit? When using these at-home rapid tests, people might be worried about inserting it too deep and injuring themselves. If the swab is longer and you flinch while inserting it, the swab could break. If, after you pull it out and there are barely any secretions on the swab, it could be that it didn't go deep enough. The kit instructions direct users to insert the swab 2.5 centimeters deep, but the doctor says that at such a depth, the swab remains in the nasal cavity without reaching the nasopharynx. To correctly correct a sample from the nasal mucus membrane, it is necessary to reach as far as 7 to 8 centimeters in. The nasal cavity is covered in a mucous membrane, so if the swab comes out clean, it could be that the test was administered incorrectly. Dr. Liu Pengchi has this advice on how to correctly get a sample. Usually when you use them, when you insert them this far in, you'll feel some resistance. The distance is more or less the point between the thick segment and the thin segment on the swab stick. You put it in slowly, rotating as you go. The doctor says it's best to insert the swab slowly with a twisting motion into the nostril. If the space feels too small, you can try flaring your nostrils to help with discomfort. Once the swab reaches the back of the nasopharynx, it will feel like the stick has hit a wall. At this point, rotate the swab left and right five times and take it out. The curvature of the nasal septum is relatively high. Start by taking a sample from whichever nostril is less obstructed. Using a gentle twisting motion to insert the swab can reduce the chance of injury to the mucous membrane. The doctor says being gentle is key. He adds that since the length of children's nasal cavities differs from adults, it's best to be careful when gauging how deep to insert the swab. 
Starting on Thursday, certain individuals with a positive rapid test will be counted as an official COVID case. The policy applies only to travelers in home quarantine and to COVID patients' close contacts who are undergoing the 3-plus-4 home isolation protocol. Currently, they must undergo a PCR test to be listed as an official COVID case. Also starting tomorrow, they can stay at home and get diagnosed by a doctor over video call. 然后预约远距医疗或视讯诊疗门诊时，将照照片上传。when you make an appointment or during the consult itself, you can upload a photo of the rapid test or show the positive test or the strip to your doctor during the video call. We will open up a total of 16 clinics to diagnose people who tested positive on a rapid test in home quarantine or home isolation. We're ready. If everything goes smoothly, each clinic should be able to attend to 15 to 20 patients. After the diagnosis is complete, the patient will be asked to cut up the rapid test. When making their telemedicine appointment, patients will be asked to provide a photo of their rapid test. They'll need to write their name and the date they took the test on top of the test itself, and then take a photo of the test with their NHI card. Doctors say that oral COVID drugs are too hard for patients in home care to access. So far, only about 2,200 patients have been able to get Pfizer's COVID pills at a pharmacy or a hospital. The CECC says has scrapped some of the paperwork needed to prescribe these antiviral drugs. But doctors say there are still plenty of other hurdles that can delay treatment. Let's hear from them. For COVID patients in home care, it can be hard to get a hold of antiviral therapies. Doctors say there are many hurdles that could delay treatment for those who need it. One of them is the complexities of writing a prescription remotely. When you're providing a video consult, there is the question of how to get this prescription to the hands of the patient, how to send it. It's a very troublesome affair. If I were able to print out my prescription and send a photo to the patient that could be used to collect the drug, that would be most convenient. Doctors also say that high-risk groups need access to a faster testing and diagnosis protocol so that they can be given timely treatment. We should reserve some PCR capacity for high-risk groups and people 65 and older so that upon developing symptoms, they can quickly get a PCR confirmation of their diagnosis and then receive more immediate treatment. A lot of people already have a prescription for an antiviral treatment. Then they go to a nearby pharmacy and can't get the medication because there are only a handful of pharmacies that currently have the drugs. Like in New Taipei, there are only two or three pharmacies that have them, so that's another bottleneck in the process. The doctor said that when antiviral medication is involved, drug interactions must be considered. The other drugs a patient is taking must be carefully evaluated. In addition, oral COVID drugs are not covered under Taiwan's Drug Injury Relief Act. Doctors say that this is a major concern, as it leaves open the question of who is responsible when problems occur. This medication is very expensive. It's 20,000 NT. If I prescribe it and the health ministry isn't happy about it or thinks that the prescription doesn't suit the patient, say that you ask my clinic to provide compensation. How could I afford that? With COVID cases on the rise, doctors fear that life-saving drugs may not reach patients in time. They say more work must be done to ease the process of obtaining COVID drugs. 
Traditional steam buns are a quick and filling meal, but they're usually not special enough to get shared on social media. However, in Xinzhu, one shop is going viral online with its glamorous steam bun desserts. Another shop in the neighborhood serves a one-of-a-kind breakfast of one golden bun packed with juicy chicken fillet and fresh lettuce. Steam buns never look so good. Freshly fried steam buns are sliced in half with a knife, then topped with lettuce, tomato, and a dark meat chicken fillet. This best-selling breakfast will keep you coming back, bite after bite. It's crispy and crunchy. The toppings inside are quite refreshing and not greasy. The steamed bun is fried at high temperature until the surface is crispy, and then we add the toppings of your choice. It's a hit with both children and adults. This breakfast shop in Shinju is locally famous for its signature golden steamed buns. After you scarf up breakfast, it's time for dessert. This is brown sugar bun a la mode, a treat worthy of Instagram. Sprinkle on some cocoa powder and drizzle on the chocolate. Slice it in half and hot filling comes oozing out. I majored in food and beverage studies in Switzerland. After returning to Taiwan, I wanted to work with traditional foods like steamed buns and stuffed buns. I wanted to find innovative ways to bring young people back to these traditional foods. People who usually don't eat steamed buns are willing to try these ones. At this Shinju eatery, the owner is trying to bring buns back into vogue by showcasing them in a new light. Pickled cabbage and bacon buns, seasonal pumpkin cheese buns, taro and pork floss buns. These are just some of the unique flavours on offer. The flavours here are different from what you see everywhere else. They don't skimp on the fillings. Here at the restaurant, you can enjoy great food and take great photos. Not only is the food delicious, lots of loving care went into the restaurant's interior. The white minimalist design is matched with funky chairs and tables to create a comfortable atmosphere. Even before we opened, we attracted lots of attention. Everyone thought we were going to be a coffee shop. When we opened and everybody found out that we were selling steamed buns and stuffed buns, they all wanted to give us a try. This entrepreneur is taking buns to the next level by cooking up newfangled flavours designed to go viral online. AIT director Sandra Outkirk made an official visit to Penghu on Tuesday the first one by the de facto U.S. ambassador in 10 years. On social media, the AIT shared a photo of the director meeting with Penghu Commissioner Lai Fengwei. Earlier, Outkirk reportedly stopped by the Penghu Defense Command, although the military has declined to confirm her visit. Outkirk's arrival in Penghu came on the same day the USS Port Royal transited the Taiwan Strait. Also on Tuesday, PLA warplanes once again approached Taiwan. One aircraft, a CAIC Z-10 attack helicopter, crossed the median line of the strait. The U.S. State Department has spoken out about recent changes it made to a Taiwan relations fact sheet. Last week, it updated the online fact sheet, removing language that said Taiwan is part of China and that the U.S. does not support Taiwan independence. When asked about the update at a news briefing, U.S. State Department spokesman Ned Price said the edits reflected the rock-solid friendship between the U.S. and Taiwan. A Taiwan scholar said the new fact sheet did not signal a change in U.S. policy, but that it was a gesture of goodwill brought about 
by the Russia-Ukraine war. Last Thursday, the U.S. State Department changed the wording of its fact sheet on Taiwan relations. A spokesman stated publicly that the changes reflect the friendly ties between the U.S. and Taiwan. Uh, our fact sheets reflect, uh, in the case of Taiwan, our rock-solid unofficial relationship uh, with Taiwan. Uh, and we call upon the PRC to behave responsibly uh, and to not manufacture pretenses uh, to increase uh, pressure on Taiwan. State Department spokesman Ned Price emphasized the closeness between the two sides. In its recent fact sheet update, the State Department removed the words Taiwan is part of China. It also deleted wording that the U.S. does not support Taiwan independence. It added language referring to the U.S.'s long-standing one-China policy, which is guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, and the six assurances. Commenting on the update, Price called on China not to use the revisions as a pretense for aggression. In Taiwan, one scholar believes that the Russia-Ukraine war had a hand in Washington's revisions. The U.S. itself may be worried that, under such circumstances, other countries might say, the U.S. itself admits that Taiwan is a part of China. Other countries might misinterpret Washington's position and believe that Washington itself admits that Taiwan is a part of China. Under such circumstances, these other countries may not feel able to respond to Taiwan the way they're responding to Ukraine. They may not be able to answer the U.S.'s call and cooperate with the U.S. to assist in Taiwan's defense. But the scholar says the fact sheet update does not signal Washington's shift from strategic ambiguity to strategic clarity. I think that the Biden administration still feels that, when it comes to the question of whether the U.S. will send troops to defend Taiwan, it should still maintain an ambiguous attitude, because we in Taiwan have yet to hold a referendum to decide Taiwan's status. So basically, Washington is continuing to maintain an ambiguous position on issues including the One China policy. But even so, the scholar says the U.S. has shown goodwill toward Taiwan and that Taiwan-U.S. relations are continuing to improve. These days, it seems like everyone and their dog has a website plus a blog or two. Back in the 90s, that wasn't the case. The early pioneers of the web forged new paths for information sharing and socializing. This week, we meet Dr. Wu Zhaoxing, who became internet famous in the 90s for his medical information. Now 92, Dr. Wu is still enjoying life well into his second online career, researching the Taiwanese language. Hepatology expert Dr. Wu Zhaoxing created his own website before it was a thing to share medical information. Now 92, he can still navigate comfortably between two screens and enjoys digital life. I started at the end of 1995. Taiwan had got the internet, and honestly, I knew absolutely nothing about computers. I didn't know how to do it. I was just painting by numbers the way everyone did it, doing medical education online. After a few years, five or six years, or maybe a decade or so, I got into the Taiwanese language education because my father was a scholar of Taiwanese and researched that language his whole life. 
Having retired from leading the preventative medicine department of his local health bureau at 62, Dr. Wu dedicated himself fully to his online work. I often went to the library on my bike in the early days. After the internet, it was like all the books in the world were brought right to your desk. It was unbelievably convenient. Most days, Dr. Wu chats online with his son and granddaughter in the U.S. His online work is not confined to his own website. He also serves as administrator for more than 40 Facebook groups, and he likes ordering deliveries on mobile apps. His favorite indulgence is a tub of ice cream. Many older adults are anxious about the health impact of such rich treats. To be honest, I don't have any specific practices to cultivate my health. I'm just natural. I eat when I want to eat. I sleep when I want to sleep. You don't have to overthink it. Do the things you like to do each day. Exercise just for the sake of it, not for some goal. Dr. Wu doesn't let his age hold him back from enjoying life. He says his biggest joy now is Taiwanese language education and researching haikus. He maintains an active social life online. And the secret to his health and happiness also lies with his happy marriage and his wife's loving company. Taste of Europe is a video series featuring diplomats stationed in Taiwan cooking dishes from their home countries. In the latest episode, the director of the Luxembourg Trade and Investment Office offered a course on how to make her favorite Luxembourgish dish. Tanya Bersham, I'm the executive director of the Luxembourg Trade and Investment Office, Taipei. Tanya Bersham, director of the Luxembourg Trade and Investment Office, introduces the ingredients needed to make Cleeton McRaywin. The ingredients are flour, milk, eggs, lean bacon, salt, and cream. The first step is to make a dough, mixing the ingredients with a slotted spoon. 150 grams of flour. So. A wooden spoon, and this is very important. With the hole? Yes, know. with the hole is it because it helps us to make the dough very uh, smooth. And then we will add the eggs. Put the flour in a bowl and add the eggs and milk, stirring it all together. Bertram revealed that her mother's secret recipe is to add some sparkling water. Oh, I will tell you a secret. It's my mom's secret, so she uh, she's adding uh, some sparkling water, yes, oh. and this helps to to that the that the Cleveland yeah. becomes and get fluffy. So I will add some more salt in the water. Bring a pot of water to boil and add salt. Then it's time to form the dough into dumplings with a pair of spoons and drop them in the pot. You know, when I was a child, I used to do this dish with my grandmother. And so I was at that time, I was her assistant. So that's how I learned to, to prepare this, um, this Luxembourg uh, traditional dish. Mm -hmm. so, and I grew up with it. And until now, it's still my favorite dish. And even here in Taiwan, I prepare it uh, very often for myself and friends. Oh, we will first fry the bacon. After straining the dumplings, fry the bacon and create a sauce with the cream. And then we wait one to two minutes so that it's really boiled. Some pepper, so that's the, the, the final 
Lastly, sprinkle on some pepper and it's ready to be served. A new episode of Taste of Europe is released every Friday. In each episode, representatives from 15 EU member states teach viewers how to make authentic European dishes from their home countries. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Huang Yuchun in Taipei. The first plum rain front of the year is expected to reach Taiwan Friday night. Forecasters say the front will deliver heavy and extremely heavy downpours to most parts of the island. The rains will be at their most intense over the weekend. Temperatures are expected to drop significantly to daytime highs of just 20 degrees in the north. It was a day of overcast skies and steady rain in northern Taiwan, and it's only a prelude for what's to come. Starting Friday evening, a plum rain front will sweep across the island, delivering showers nationwide. A front will start to approach Taiwan Friday evening. It will linger over the island on Saturday and Sunday, so we'll have to watch out for localized heavy rains and extremely heavy rains. There may even be torrential rains in some areas. A weather front will move in on Friday, bringing days of heavy rain. There will be a chance of thunderstorms in the upper half of the island. From Saturday to next Monday, the effects of the plum rain front will be most intense. Extremely heavy rain is likely along the west coast and the northeast, while localized heavy rains are expected in central, southern and southeast Taiwan. Temperatures will drop under the impact of the northeasterly winds, sliding to highs of 20 degrees in the north and 23 degrees in central and southern Taiwan. Forecasters say the incoming front may bring the only plum rains of the year. After May 21st, the atmospheric conditions won't be favorable to the formation of plum rain fronts. It's very likely that this plum rain front will be the only plum rain front of the year. On Saturday and Sunday, all of Taiwan is set to see rainfall, so we'll all need to be prepared for short bursts of heavy downpours. Forecasters say to brace for four days of heavy rain nationwide starting Friday evening. The public is advised to prepare for downpours and the possibility of flooding.